Welcome to the American Grown Podcast, hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. Hi, I'm Austin Sullivan. This is the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Today, we have Adam Kuhn. He is a State Farm agent with six plus years under his belt. Adam, welcome to episode 19 of the American Grown Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. And like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I saw you brought Jake. Oh, yeah. He had to come along. Uh, I'm he so absolutely glad. had to come along. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought him. He's taller than I expected. Yeah, it's life-size, so he's our uh, office mascot, so I had to bring him along. Perfect. I saw him in some uh, commercials recently. He almost looks too good, if that makes sense. <laughs> he looked almost robotic. His face was so sharp, no blemishes. Uh, it's a good mascot you got there. Yeah, he's a really, really good guy. Um, State Farm actually um, hired him specifically because he tested really well with people, and uh, kids really like him, um, and... I'm actually really jealous because some of my intern, my agent intern friends from back in uh, the spring when I was going through my internship to be an agent, they actually got to meet him when we were out in Vegas. Really? Yeah. And I didn't get a chance to because he wasn't staying in the hotel that I was. But some of my friends ran into him and uh, they said, by all accounts, really nice guy. His name is Kevin Miles. He's an actor in Hollywood. Oh, right. Um, Jake is his main thing, but he's in like some TV shows and some fringe things. And he's like an actor on the come up. But yeah, by by all accounts, uh, really good guy. State Farm is, you know, very protective of their brand. So oh, they wanted sure. to make sure they had somebody who was uh, going to represent it in the right way. And he does a great job. So. That's cool. Get a little background on Jake yeah. from State Farm. You know, it'd be great if you... I don't know if there's ever an opportunity, but it'd be cool to have like his autograph on that cut out there. And all the pictures of this will be up on uh, social media, on Facebook and Instagram, uh, American Grown Podcast. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, your parents, Yvonne and Mike Kuhn. Uh, tell me about them and growing up here in Lebanon City. I grew up smack dab in the middle of Lebanon City, for lack of a better term, in the middle of all the chaos on Chestnut Street in between Walnut and Cumberland 422. So... Um, there's always commotion or something going on where I grew up. So I just got numb to it and very used to it. People of all walks of life walking up and down the streets or wherever I was going. Um, so I just got used to that at a very young age. But as far as my parents go, yeah, very lucky to be born (laughs) to the two of them. Two great people who do a lot for, I mean, not only my siblings and I, but for the community. Um, and two role models in my life. I probably don't tell them that enough. They've done a lot for me, and growing up in the middle of Lebanon City was definitely interesting because I I grew up around, uh, and I went to Harding Elementary School, so um, which was a block down the street from where I grew up in Park Place, which is a very historic neighborhood in Lebanon. I grew up in this old 100 year old Victorian house um, that I've grown to appreciate even more as an adult. I hope my parents never get rid of it. That was, uh, that was interesting because I grew up around a lot of people who maybe didn't have it as good as I did, or maybe were a little bit better than had things a little bit better than what I had, but it was an interesting mix. Um, and my parents wanted us, all of us to go to Lebanon school district 
for that reason to get exposed to all different kinds of walks of life that you might not get in a different school district. They made that decision before we were born. I think I did nothing but benefit from it. And that was my little world. Harding's a block away. My house is, you know, right down the street. My dad works at Good Samaritan Hospital, so he's, you know, two blocks up the street. And that was like my whole little world. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, She didn't go to college. And by the time we got to middle school, she decided she wanted to be a realtor. Kind of just decided to take that up with no experience. And here we are years later, she's doing really well. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think that's how I first met your mom um, yeah. was through real estate. She put an ad in uh, the school sports programs that we do here. Yep. As long as I've known her, she's always been a kick-ass real estate agent, like yeah. killing it, honestly. Um, so that's interesting to hear her background of being a stay-at-home mom and then to where she is now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she worked at the Lebanon Daily News um, before oh. I was born and kind of got started there but it really wasn't a career per Mm -hmm. se but then she got married to my dad had us and just decided to stay at home and I was really lucky to be in a in a home where I had two parents who could do that because I realized not everybody is I didn't appreciate or understand it at the time Um, a lot of kids do have parents that they either have only one parent in the household or both parents have to go to work yeah they need to go to daycare or SAC or some sort of after-school program and their life was different than mine, where my mom was always waiting for me at the bottom of the steps at Harding to pick me up. And eventually I, I could just walk home when I got a little older. But I really benefited from that. And I know it, it just the environment that my parents created for me, mm-hmm. I appreciate it so much more now because I realize not everybody has the same setup that I did. I grew up you know, in a household with not only two great parents, but two parents who provided a lot for me and also provided a lot of opportunities that not a lot of people that I grew up around had. I mean, we, we went on vacation every year uh, yeah. to Ocean City, New Jersey. We have a house there now, um, but we always used to go on vacation there two weeks religiously every year. I mean, we've been on family vacations outside of the country. I've been to Duke camp a couple times. I'm a big Duke basketball fan. I know there's some people out there going to be laughing at me because yeah. of the way things ended with Coach K. Um, it was a tough to <laughs> see. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I, I was a kid who was lucky enough to, to do things like that. Yeah. Um, and I you know, grew up around a lot of kids who didn't get an opportunity like that. And I didn't think of it much then. But now looking back, um, my parents gave me a better upbringing in life that, than even what they had growing up. And now I look at that and say, how can I do that same thing for my kids one day? Yeah, for the Um, next generation, yeah. 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 So they've instilled great values in me, and they've also um, just given me a perspective that, you know, I want to do the same exact thing that they did. It's interesting because, you know, you hear some people, I want to get out of the city, or or they want to get out of Lebanon in general. They don't even want to be here. They want to go to, you know, California, Texas, Florida, whatever, New York, just uh, leave Pennsylvania in general. But your parents, before you were even born, were like, hey, we're going to stay local. You know, our kids are going to go to Lebanon High and kind of see both sides of the coin, you know, like you Mm -hmm. said. Now, when you were in school, was there anyone that helped you along the way? Any, uh, Any teachers, any coaches? Yeah, I mean, at all different levels of school, elementary all the way up. I mean, there's some names that 
um, stick out, especially a guy like uh, John Newmaster. I don't know if you know him or not. He was involved with friendship football, okay. and bitty basketball, um, and even uh, fifth ward baseball that I played in. So he was my coach every season for something different. But uh, he's a guy that really comes to mind for me every time he moved out of the area because of work. Um, but he does come back to town occasionally, and every time I see him, I go up and give that guy a big hug. I really respect that guy. He's given years of his life to kids that, I mean, has nothing to really show for it, never really got anything out of it, but um, he's a giver. Um, and same thing with uh, Bubba Bartle. I don't know if you know him. He was one of my football coaches growing up at, for Friendship Football. He's He's been coaching for He stopped now. He's been coaching for years, and even uh, Warren Schwank. Uh, bumps. Um, yeah, that, yeah, I've heard Noah, of him. Noah brought yeah. him up when he uh, shout out to That's Noah. Yeah, um, <laughs> since I listened to his uh, podcast here, um, he brought him up too. He's still coaching right now, and he's involved with Lebanon Biddy basketball. I don't know if he was ever my specific coach. He was also he was always coaching kids younger than me, mm -hmm. um, but he's still involved and he's still refereeing and coaching and doing. Whatever the Lebanon basketball program basically asks of him, and I got to work with him the, for the first time this last winter. I was refereeing um, for first and second graders Lebanon Betty basketball oh, program cool. that I grew up playing in. Yeah, um, yeah. I made a decision last fall that I wanted to do something outside of work um, for my community, for yeah. lack of a better term, something outside of work. I know I help a lot of people at work with a lot of things, but I wanted to do something else. So I decided to get involved with Biddy Basketball on the weekends. Um, so I'd get up every Saturday morning and do that all morning yeah. um, into the afternoon. So that was really rewarding, and it was nice to, to give back and help a bunch of kids in the same program that helped me get to where I am. That was a huge part of my life and my early upbringing. But those are some people there. Um, some other people in middle school, uh, Ted Thompson, I know he's another one that Noah brought up. Um, he was a great coach that we had, um, and he was also our teacher in high school um, and in middle school. But uh, another guy that um, really stood out to me was Scott Sanders. Again, another person Noah brought up. He was probably the best basketball coach I ever had in 10th grade. He uh, coaches like a drill sergeant. Um, okay. He's very, very tough on you. But there's nothing more rewarding than doing something right for him, especially in a game, because, you know, like the tough love on the other side, especially during practice, mm -hmm. it, it's rewarding to get the love back in a different way when he tells you you did something right. He, he was a guy that really whipped me into shape uh, a little bit in 10th grade. And uh, every time I see that guy, it's usually at a brewery that I run into him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but every time I see him, I give him a handshake and a big hug because um, I really respect him a lot. Um, and then some people, you know, in my football circle, um, for lack of a better term, because I did play football all the way up through, Carl Lidka, who was a coach of mine and also my guidance counselor in high school, great guy uh jerry yonchuk he's no longer at lebanon he's at central york now but i just went to see one of his games uh, a few weeks ago they were playing Hempfield, um so it was cool to get to see him again and uh bud getz who recently passed away here in lebanon he was a little bit of a coaching icon he made a huge difference in my life i, I remember i i was on the verge of not playing football my senior year because i just Practice sucks. Okay, right. um, I wasn't sure if I was going to play, and I just didn't have a ton of confidence. One of the determining factors was 
walking past a guy like him in the hallway and having him just look at me with a scowl of disappointment. Yeah. Um, you don't want to let him down. Yeah, and he was my defensive coordinator, and that's the side of the ball that I played. I played. I was going to ask you, okay. Yeah, okay. so I, I ended up being a safety, um, which I love that position. I love, love to hit people. Yeah. Um, that was my thing. <laughs> but uh, I ended up playing and then um, didn't play the first two games, but then got in and started after that, and I never looked back and ended up being an all-county safety. Wow, there that you go. That year, I led yeah. the, the league in interceptions. That's crazy. Um, and you weren't even you weren't going to go out. You were no, yeah, no. And uh, ended up winning a bunch of awards. And I just it, it was kind of unbelievable because I didn't, you know, fully believe in myself. But right. then somebody like Coach Getz, who kind of stayed on me every day, coaching me up and gave me also like Coach Sanders a lot of tough love. There was nothing more rewarding. I, I made a post about this, and London Daily News shared it. Um, Pat Huggins put it in his story, mm-hmm. but there was nothing more rewarding, you know, going out there on a Friday night and playing your butt off, for lack of a better term, and having go Coach Getz come up to you and say, like, you played a hell of a game when you're surrounded by your family and friends on the field after the game. Uh, that made me feel so good, and he – and part of the reason why my post got shared also is because he he reached out to me a couple of years ago. It was during COVID. He he made a Facebook account. I don't know if he knew how to use it so well, but he figured out how to message me, and he just messaged me like a happy birthday mm-hmm. and just said, you know, you were one of my favorite players that I ever coached, and a, a couple other nice little uh, messages in there. And uh, it, it was just it felt so good to hear it from him more than anybody else because he was the one who was probably the hardest on players very very tough love but that those are the most rewarding people to hear that you did something right from oh for sure i, I would agree 100 percent. and it makes you as a, as a player now you know as, a, as an adult um you know having your own business and everything you can appreciate that more you know because one the tough love but yet when you get that credit, that validation, like, hey, you played a great game, a hell of a game, or you closed a big sale, a big deal, you can appreciate it more. And, and you know, you look at those people, uh, those mentors as a, as a big impact in your life. So now from high school and from Lebanon City, you move to the city of brotherly love. Go Birds. Hopefully hopefully when this comes out, they'll still be undefeated. That'd be fantastic. But uh, you went to Temple University. What was that like? So I got to Temple being probably one of the biggest overachievers you ever will meet. Um, I was one of those kids who was not satisfied if my GPA was below 4.0. Whoa. I always wanted to be on the superior honor okay. roll. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, wanted, I, I actually wanted my GPA to be above four. Um, I graduated fourth in my class. I'm still bitter about it. Fourth? Come on. Uh, no, I'm just, no, I'm just messing <laughs> with you. That's awesome, Cody. Holy cow. No, and that's not even something to brag about anymore because yeah. it, it really doesn't matter that much um, now that we're this far removed. But I still think about it um, once in a while if uh, Christian Eisenhower brings it up. Uh, <laughs> he finished second, yeah, and he still talks about it sometimes. But, um, but yeah, I, I was definitely what you would call an overachiever and probably maybe did a little bit more than I was supposed to, but... I mean, that's how I was. Got to Temple. I just decided to go there because I had two cousins that one had already graduated and one was already there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of laid the groundwork for me. I visited and stayed over for a weekend with my cousin Jen back when I was a senior in high school to check it out. Um, and she stayed in this really cool apartment building that her older cousin, or excuse me, her older brother, Michael, stayed in. And 
I was like, wow, this is really cool. It was an old factory building, a high rise with ceilings that were over 20 feet high. It wow. was a huge, huge space. Um, and when you looked out the windows, you see the entire landscape of the city and uh, the skyline. And you just get these really, really cool views. And at Temple, you don't have to live in a dorm as a freshman. When I did that, I had gone and visited some other schools, but I was like, this is where I want to be. I want to be in this big city. I don't know if I'll ever live in a big city again. Um, I don't want to be in a, at a school where the town that you're in revolves around the school. No mm-hmm. offense to any of those schools. I think they're cool. There's a bunch of schools out there. I, like Penn State's a great example. I yeah. considered going there. It just wasn't the vibe for me, even though I've visited plenty of times and had a lot of fun. But it just it wasn't for me. I wanted something a little different than that. So I wanted the city at my fingertips that the city doesn't revolve around Temple. Um, it's kind of the opposite. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I ended up going there and went to the Fox School of Business. And um, I was undeclared my first two years. I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. Um, but I ended up deciding on MIS, uh, Management Information Systems, which I had the introductory course that everybody has to take in the business school. And then I ended up liking it. And I decided, okay, I'm going to pick this at the end of my sophomore year. So I went with that, figuring I, I'm either going to like this and find a career in it, or I'll just figure it out. So that's what I did. And I went there, um, ended up becoming a manager of the basketball team. I certainly wasn't good oh, enough wow. to play uh, Division One basketball. Um, I played in high school. But yeah, my dad had a connection um, to... Uh, Pat Flannery, who is the Bucknell coach, he used to coach at Lebanon yeah. Valley College um, when they won the national title back in 94. He ended up being the coach at Bucknell. My dad was good buddies with him, and he was good buddies with an assistant at Temple. So he reached out to him and said, hey, like you should bring Adam on. Um, he's a good guy. I know oh, him. Oh, yeah. Give him a job in the program, um, even if it's unpaid. Just give him something to do. So I sat down and talked to Coach Duke is his name. Um, and he asked me like, what do you want to do? I said, I don't really care. Um, I just want something to do that's outside of school because other than my studies and doing like intramural basketball and flag football, I don't Mm. really have that much else going on. So I said, I kind of want just some other commitment that isn't going to bog down my schedule, maybe a couple days a week, whatever, uh, that fits in. Um, and he said, he said, yeah, why don't you just be a, you know, become a manager? We'll bring you on and work like three days a week. Um, it's, it's unpaid, but mm-hmm. he said, we'll give you a bunch of things to do, and the grad assistants will basically be your boss and tell you what to do. My junior and senior year, I was a manager for the team, and um, I was at practice three days a week usually and participating and helping guys with drills, doing whatever they needed me to do. Helping with laundry, cleaning up, manning the front desk, people coming in and out who were visitors, um, doing kind of like secretary work. Sometimes an NBA team would be walking in to get like a shoot around going oh, because wow. they were playing the Sixers. So, okay. yeah, there's yeah. one day like the Sacramento Kings walked in. So, nice. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty interesting. Um, I got to travel with the team, though. I, I remember going on a trip up to UConn and just to be on the road with the team and managing their equipment sitting right behind the bench for a game like in the XL Center yeah. while, while they're playing UConn like that was a really cool experience. I got to meet Doug Gottlieb who 
uh, works for CBS, or maybe he's at ESPN now. I can't remember, but yeah, he was yeah. at CBS at the time. Wow. Um, so I got to meet him because he walked into the locker room. Um, he had to go to the bathroom before the game, so that's how I got to meet him. <laughs> it was a really cool experience. I'm glad I got to do it because I made a ton of friends doing it. And uh, one of my buddies here from Lebanon actually did it with me, Matt Kleinfelder. He went to Lebanon Catholic. Um, he lived with me at Temple, so we both were like, hey, why not? Let's do this. So um, we had a blast. That was a great experience. And I, I would do it all over again the same way. Be that close to, like you said, D1 athletes in their prime. Such a small world with the connections from your father to to help you. And then, of course, you proving yourself by showing up and, and doing you know what was asked of you, whether it was you know laundry or, or shooting around with the players or whatever it was. Uh, do you have a specific moment that was like, you know, during your time with the team that you're like, oh, this is awesome. Coolest thing was actually becoming buddies with some of the players, getting to the point where I would text with them and be like, hey, do you want to go to the gym at like 10 o'clock? Because I had, um, with my swipe card, my student swipe card gave me access to get into the practice facility, which is state of the art. Um, they had, this temple has a really nice basketball facility. I had 24 hour access to get in and out whenever nice. I wanted. So I wow. could go and use like their study rooms if I wanted to, or hang out in the locker room, or I could just go in there and grab a basketball and shoot around if I wanted to. But some of the players would text me and be like, Hey, like I'm not doing anything like 10 o'clock. You want to go in the gym and like rebound for me and work me out. I'd be like, heck yeah. Like I'm right. down for that. So, That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So there I would go. I would walk, you know, up the street from my apartment and, um, go into the facility 10 o'clock at night. We'd, um, I'd plug my phone in and we'd, they had a really, really nice speaker system wired all throughout the gym. So I'd plug my phone in and we'd like, we'd put some rap or hip hop music on and just blast it. And then we would just start working out. And sometimes Matt would go with me actually. And one of us would rebound. And then another one of us would actually guard the player and like body him up a little bit and make it difficult for him to shoot. Okay. Um, we'd come up with all different weird kind of drills for them to do just, <laughs> you know, on the cusp. Test them, but, right. Really test them um, out, yeah. But yeah, they really appreciated us because they knew we didn't have to and we could be at home playing Xbox or screwing right. around or going to bed or whatever. If it was a weeknight, I'd be like, yeah, man, like, yeah. I'm in. Yeah, you um, care. It showed, it showed that you cared, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I haven't talked to any of the players in a while, but there, there were some that I got closer with than others that, like, just a random night, they text me and be like, you want to come in? I'm like, yeah. Let's go back to, because you mentioned uh, Fox School of Business. I mean, as far as I, I know, that's fairly prestigious in, in business schools throughout PA. It definitely is. And my major at the time was ranked like 13th in the country. Um, wow. It was really rigorous. Um, not to say that other schools aren't, because I, I, I mean, college is rigorous to begin with. But Fox is one of Temple's better schools for sure. And I mean, they put you through the ringer. There's, I mean, not even just my major, but if you're in the business school, there's certain classes you have to pass. And if you don't, you're basically out of the business school yeah. and risk management and insurance is one of them. I still have nightmares about it to this day. Really? Yeah. Um, Temple is ranked like for risk management, like second in the country. Okay. Um, and everybody has to take the prereq for risk management insurance. And I had this professor that was so tough and you couldn't have your phone out. You couldn't have a laptop out. He was old school. He was from Texas. He was a hard ass. I have no other way to describe it. I didn't know if I was going to pass the class um, up until the last final. Um, And there I was like home for winter break, waiting for my grades to come in, sweating every night for a week until they came in. Um, but it was, that was the hardest class that I ever took. And there were definitely, 
classes for my major that were difficult because of how highly ranked uh, MIS was. Um, but risk management is the one that stands out to me. It's funny because I work in insurance now, but right. it, it, risk management is really more so for people who want to be like actuarial scientists, people who figure out like rates and the probability of things happening, which is like way above my head, yeah. the mathematical probabilities of things. But you got a little taste of it and it was so hard. I have no other way. Like it kept me up at night thinking about finals or quizzes. Um, that fall semester of my junior year was not fun. I dreaded going to that class and I put in extra time. Luckily, I rem- I still remember this so vividly. It was one night, like maybe a week after finals were over and I was at home and I checked my grades. It was like 11 o'clock at night and I checked it and I saw that I passed. I think I got like a B minus or a C there plus in the class. Yeah. Like it was good enough to pass. That's all you needed. Um, that's all, that's yeah. all that I needed. I was doing much better in my other classes, but that one I was like, I don't care. Just if pass. I pass, yeah. I'm out of it. Like, yeah, yeah. And I, I checked and I saw it. I jumped out of my seat. I ran up to my parents' <laughs> room and like they were asleep. I like jumped you... on their bed. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, I passed. I yeah. passed risk management. I'm done with They're it. Like, my what are you mom talking about? Like, my mom thought it was emergency, but yeah, she yeah. was like, Oh my god, thank God. Um, yeah, because she knew how much I was going through right. it with that, stressing you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was um, something that I still think about to this day. Like I still have nightmares about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you passed. And uh, while you're at Temple, and you know, even even now in, in life in general, any mentors that you had, whether at school or, you know, life mentors in general. I know you brought a framed photo of, of your grandfather. Oh, yeah. Um, which we'll get a picture of that, put it up on uh, on social media and all that. But uh, tell me about your mentors. Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about him then eventually. But, yeah, I would definitely say, like, to touch on my parents again, because I, I've watched how much they've done for others and putting others before themselves time and time again over the course of my life and maybe didn't appreciate it as much when I was a kid and thought it was kind of annoying or an inconvenience because they'd pull me into something that I didn't want to do. But now I look back and it's a little different. But yet my parents for sure, um, I look at as mentors and I probably wouldn't have admitted that, you know, years ago as a kid. But uh, even even my brother and my sister too, um, in a different way, but they are people that I can confide in for different things. And it's a different relationship, obviously, than than uh, maybe your parents. But I, I look up to my brother and sister, and I that's the first time public record that I'm admitting wow. that. And they're younger, right? <laughs> they they're, are younger, younger than me. Yeah. Um, but they're both doing really well in their respective fields and provide different perspective to my life if I ever need something or need advice or whatever it might be. And I really appreciate them. Um, so I kind of do look at them as mentors, kind of in like a different role a little bit. But two people who I also consider mentors that are not related to me, Hannah Spiral is definitely one. She brought me into the fold when she opened her State Farm agency back in 2016, and she and I go way back. Um, it all really starts with her dad um, and my dad working together at Good Samaritan Hospital. This was before I was born. Her dad's Bob Phillips. He's another State Farm agent here in Lebanon. Before he was a State Farm agent, he worked at Good Samaritan Hospital, and my dad started working there in the late 80s, and they got to know each other, became friendly, um, and my dad ended up, you know, in the 90s having a couple kids, and Bob obviously had two daughters, and so 
once we got a little older, we're like five, six, seven, eight years old. My dad and my mom had places to go. And my dad was like, hey, like, would Hannah and her sister Maddie, would, would they mind like babysitting? So um, they ended up becoming our routine babysitters. Anytime my parents were going away at night somewhere, whether it was for a dinner or a function or whatever it was, or if they were just going out, um, Hannah and her sister Maddie were my babysitters. So my corny joke always was when I worked in the Cleona office for Hannah that I've known Hannah as my boss uh, since I was yeah. at a very young age. So she was always the boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but she brought me into the fold. Um, she contacted me in like the fall of 2015 when she found out she was going to get her own State Farm agency. And she was brought up in a State Farm household under her dad. And she also worked for uh, Kelly Parks, who's the agent of Myerstown. So she found that out. And I apparently was the first person that she reached out to to say, hey, like, I want to bring you in the fold here. Um, and at the time I was working in it, but it really wasn't a career. I, I know there's careers in it, but where right. I was at at the time, I didn't view it as a career. And I was kind of looking for either a change or a different job or something. So when that fell out of the sky, I was like, I'm willing to listen to whatever you have to say. I know nothing about insurance. Um, it's a little intimidating because I don't know anything about it, but I'm willing to listen. And she sat me down at timeless cafe and was like, Hey, like, I think this is going to be a great opportunity for you. Um, you have an opportunity to not only make more money, but interact with people and add value to their lives. And it's in a different role that I'm in now at the time, which was IT, um, where I'm just in the same office with the same people all day. And it's just right. You know, Monotonous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's like, this is going to be completely different. And I didn't even blink. I was just like, yeah, I'm in. Um, I want to do this. I, I see, um, the opportunities that it's provided her dad, who's very well established now. Um, and I said, that's very intriguing to me and just the lifestyle that comes with it. And I said, you know what? I want to take a shot. And the thing that I really appreciate about her the most is she looked at me in the eye and said, I want to bring you on with the intent that you're leaving me one day. Oh, wow. And, and wow. I, that was really powerful. Yeah. And I said, you know what? Like, that's that's something that a leader says exactly exactly so yeah. i said yeah i'm in i'll do whatever it takes so that's one person and i ended up working for her for five and a half years and it was the only work experience i had other than the previous job after college but it was the best work experience i had to that point she created a great culture we had a great staff in place and I loved coming to work every day because I loved the people that I worked with. We joked around a lot and mm -hmm. had just a great environment that if there were days where she was like, hey, you can leave early if you want to. There's not much going on. Or if you want to come in late this day or something like that, mm -hmm. I never did because I always wanted to be there for that time because I loved the people that I worked with in there, like her, Andy, who's in there, and Mary uh, Pagan, who's in there, Lebanon High grad. I loved working with them. Um, so we had this work family that was awesome. I miss them dearly because I'm not around them anymore. I still talk to them a lot, but yeah. it's not the same. I loved working for her and with her, and she never made it seem like she was a boss. She made it seem like she, I was working with a coworker okay. who just maybe had to divvy out some work to me or correct me or coach me, but I never felt like somebody was on top of me. She was definitely a mentor in my life. And then another person is uh, Ed Lynch. He uh, he is Hannah's brother-in-law. I grew up next door to him. He bought the house next to my parents across from Fifth across Fifth Street. He was just always a guy. It, 
that I confided in. Maybe if I didn't want to talk to my parents about something because he was younger than my parents. He's about okay. 10 yeah. years or so older than me. So he, he kind of became this older brother role, for lack of a better term. I'm mm-hmm. the oldest in my family. So I got to know him because in seventh grade, I would cut his grass. And I kind of had my own little lawn care business in the in the neighborhood yeah. so okay. i always took care entrepreneur, of his. entrepreneur yeah yeah mm-hmm. so that was my first job was uh mowing lawns when yeah. i was like 12 13 years old and he was one of the first ones i started with one um he was an easy target because he, he didn't have a shed and he didn't have a uh <laughs> he's an easy target and, and a, he didn't have <laughs> yeah. a lawnmower okay. so like i was like hey like i'll cut it 10 bucks a week yeah and he was like sold nice. um so i did that for years all through middle school high school and college that I did that for him. I got to know him more um, because um, a guy that my mom worked with, Chris Blauk, he's a when um, he's a mortgage okay. um, lender, lender. Yeah. Um, in the area. He lived with him. My mom worked with him when she worked at Caldwell Banker out at Lebanon Valley Mall. It was across from Schuylkill Valley. Wow. Um, back when that was still there. Yeah. It was um, a little while ago. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I got to know him through him through Chris. And he just became almost like this older brother figure in my life, a guy that I could confide in. If I was ever having problems or something was going on that maybe I didn't want to talk to my parents about, that I didn't have like an older brother-like figure in my life, mm-hmm. that he kind of became that for me. Um, and he was the guy that suggested to Hannah to hire me. He's done a lot for me. He's always been a mentor for me since I was, I don't know, ninth grade, 10th grade. And I really, really uh, respect him a lot. He's a great guy. Awesome. Those two, right? Any others? Um, no, I mean, I can Perfect. definitely talk about my grandfather a little bit because I know you mentioned him and I brought the photo in here. I mean, he's unique because it's not he's not someone who was always giving me advice or something like that. I mean, the, the part of his life that I was around for, he was much older. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he lived to be 97 and a half years wow. old. Good life for yeah, sure. Yeah, he lived a yeah. long life, great genes, um, mm-hmm. I hope. He was a mentor to me in a different way because his acts played a role in in my life because people would share it with me um but he was a teacher and a coach um at harding junior high school which right down the street here yep. when i was a junior high for 37 years he was a swim coach at the country club and even at harding he coached basketball football golf baseball um and my dad actually put a list together one time and he sat down with him he coached over 150 seasons Whoa, combined. That's crazy. Um, so he's in the Lebanon High Hall of Fame okay. um, for that awesome. reason. But when you count the, the years of teaching and coaching and being at the country club and doing the coaching out there, it's thousands of kids yeah. that he interacted with over the course of this 40-year wow. period. Um, so I heard throughout my life all these different people would just come up to me if i said if i either said my name out loud or somebody saw my name like listed on something or something like that if i had a dollar for every time it happened to me i don't know how how much money i would have <laughs> people would always say like you're a coon or mm-hmm. you're you're are you related to mr coon and i'd be like well which one because he had seven kids six of them were boys so i don't know which wow. one you're talking yeah. about but yeah, I'm related to one of them, but which and they'd always say, "Well, Frank," and I'd be like, "Yeah, that, that's my grandfather." And then it would always lead into a story, like he was my favorite teacher that I had growing up, or he was my favorite coach, or 
I always look forward to seeing him or something, mm-hmm. something that he did for them or something to, to that extent. So I heard these stories growing up and really in my childhood, I didn't think that much of it. I would hear it and be like, yeah, yeah, like that's great. But now I look at it so much differently now that he's gone um, because I still hear it yeah. all the time. Wow. This many years later. Yeah. Yeah. He's impacted that many people. Yeah. And it, it's just, it only really truly hit me, I would say, when we actually had his funeral services in August of 2015. And we had it at St. Cecilia's Catholic Church, which is the church that I grew up going to because that's the church he always went to. So my dad was like, that's where we're going. I've never seen anything quite like it. I've been to several funerals in my life, and you would have thought a politician or somebody like that with some stature had died. And I was just awestruck. The church was packed, but then there was a line of people just going out around outside the door down the block. Wow. We had to extend the the viewing part of the service for a couple hours because there were that many people, that many people wanted to see him who and, came out of the woodwork to yeah. show up. I had never seen anything like it, and that was the first moment that all of these stories, all of these nice things that people shared with me, all these things throughout the course of my life that people would say to me because they knew him or interacted with him or he taught or coached them, it all came to life. And I'm standing there at the front of the church with the rest of my extended family members. And there I'm, I'm seeing like, like Korean and, uh, uh, Vietnam war vet age men, like in tears, people who I didn't even know coming up to me, shaking my hand, giving me a hug. And I had to walk away at one point. I was like, Holy smokes. Right. I can't believe what he did and the impact he made just doing little things. He never did anything astronomical or some huge thing for anybody. It was just a culmination of a million little things Mm -hmm. that he had some sort of an impact on these kids. And I've heard so many stories over the years. I can remember one. Lebanon High School has a Hall of Fame induction every year for... uh, sports for athletes okay yep. it happens like usually in december right as basketball season is kicking off and they have a banquet and usually like a couple hundred people show up and then five six seven people who are getting inducted get up on the podium give a speech um and there was a year this guy got up there um his name was ron brewer he was an incredible athlete and he had my grandfather um as a coach for a couple different sports but he started going off on thanking all of these people for helping him get to where he was. He was named off teachers, coaches, and he goes, there's one that I want to mention later mm-hmm. um, that I don't want to talk about right this second. Um, so he keeps going on without um, about his speech, and, and then he gets to the end, and he goes, and then there was Frank Kuhn, and he started just bawling profusely yeah. in front of hundreds of people um and my grandfather actually happened to be there and he essentially said i don't think he realizes how big of a family he really has and nobody really knew what he meant and he said i didn't have a dad growing up wow i i didn't and he said coach coon was the closest thing that i had to 
I can kind of feel it in my chest when I yeah, talk yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He said he was the closest yeah. thing that I had to a father. Not only was he my coach, but um, he always, he took me home from practice. He made sure I had a meal if my mom wasn't around. Like wow. all these little things. Yeah, but they and add up. They add up to, it to make a big and, impact. And he basically said, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for him because I could have gone down a, a very wrong path. That really, really hit me. I've heard other stories very similar to that of the impact that he made and the track that he made sure he kept people on. Um, so that really makes a difference in my life. And that's def definitely one subject. Like I can feel it in my chest when oh, I yeah, talk when about it. Oh yeah, when you talk about it. Yeah, yeah, you're passionate about it. I feel because of that, like this little bit of a burden to you know, make sure that I'm doing right by people and that I, I kind of have, I'm carrying that legacy a little bit. Definitely. Just, just speechless. I mean, as long as I've known of, of your father or, or the last name Kuhn, it's, it's always been, you know, in a, in a helpful way, you know, call Mike Kuhn at the good Sam, you know, he can help you out or, or, uh, Yvonne with uh, the real estate and, uh, to hear about your grandfather who I didn't know personally, but to kind of compare to in my life, my grandfather here started color tech, Pat Sullivan, and, uh, maybe cut yeah. from a similar cloth where, you know, you were taught to treat everyone with the same respect, whether it's a janitor or the person holding the door for you. Yeah. Um, cause you don't know their background, what they're going through. You know, you treat everyone as if they're the CEO or the president, you know, similar. Yeah. You know, I remember my dad telling me there was somebody who was uh, a water boy on one of his teams and he approached my dad years later and he just said, I, I miss seeing your dad because he treated me no differently than any of his players yeah that's huge um yeah. and he made sure the players treated me equally yeah um and if wow. there was if they did not there was a problem it's that respect yeah and i remember another person shared a story with my dad and my dad shared with me um they said to my dad you know i grew up with some disabilities early on in my life like i um i kind of stuttered when i talked things like that and he said like i got made fun of a lot but he said nobody made fun of me when coach coon was around yeah. and he made sure of that stories like that i really take to heart because it it means something to me um and i feel like everybody should treat people that way but i feel a little differently because everybody in this community knows who he is so there's a little bit of a weight that i carry i choose to carry on yeah. my shoulders because of that and I feel like I'm I'm going to carry that torch. I applaud you for it, and, and I think you'll do a phenomenal job, you know, at, at upholding hey, thanks, the name man. and everything, seriously. So uh, to segue over, and I think this is a perfect segue, you know, what what are you really passionate about? I, I think it ties right into my, uh, excuse me, my family legacy. Like those stories that I brought up um, growing up, that, that event at the funeral, where it, it's like it everything came to life, all those stories, all those nice things that people used to say to me over the course of my life um, once they found out who I was. But that, that definitely is what gets me up in the morning, and it's something that makes me passionate because making money is great. That's something that definitely, you can say, gets you up in the morning, for lack of a better term, because yeah. you have to go yeah, to work. You have to, right. But that wears out eventually. And if you don't have a why or a passion, I don't know what you're doing. Um, and if, if you don't have something that drives you outside of that, I, I think like you can really get lost and uh, you might have to reassess a little bit. Yeah, oh, um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It, I mean, in addition to that, I mean, I've seen my parents give so much to the community, especially my dad who worked at Good Samaritan Hospital. He had just 
recently stepped back from his role because he's in a different role now as the county commissioner. So he's actually giving back in a different way now. But um, he was at uh, the Good Samaritan Hospital for 30 years, and he was the, the vice president of development. So he was essentially the guy in charge of making sure that our nonprofit local hospital here was funded, that had you know charitable donations coming in. What better person than him because of the connections that my grandfather established and then he established in the community? Um, so he he was um, it, it was really cool to see him pull together with uh, with Scott Seckler who owns uh, Bell and Evans. Yep. Um, he yeah. made sure he and Scott came together and he made sure that this donation came together to build the can uh, the Seckler uh, Family Cancer Center. So and that was a huge donation. That was um, like the feather in his cap, for right. lack of a better term. But that was his role in our community to make sure this local nonprofit, small to mid-sized hospital stays up and running with funds coming in because not everybody that comes in and out of there is paying a bill. Yeah, um, right. And that's just part of it. So it's he a necessity. Played, yeah, he played a critical role um, in doing that and. Both he and my mom have been involved in several charitable organizations um, like Kiwanis, the United Way, um, and some other ones that come to mind. But my dad is always at every uh, Kiwanis like pancake breakfast, especially involved with the, when the high school kids come out uh, for Key Club. He's always there serving tables, making pancakes. He still does it to this day. That's awesome, yeah. Um, just little things like that I've seen my parents do. I mean, perfect example, too. There is a couple at the hospital that works there that they have special needs and they ha they need some help. Um, and I remember my dad calling me one day and saying, hey, there's this couple at the hospital. They came to me. They bought a new TV stand. They need some help. Um, so here I was with my dad going over to this house I've never been to before for these random people, helping them construct and build this TV stand in their bedroom and reattaching the TV and getting it all set up back again with cable and everything. I've seen my dad do things like that for people over the years, uh, just random people in Lebanon City who he doesn't even know. That to me is something that kind of gets me going because now that I have the platform that I do, I want to do those things too and put my own spin on it. So I, I'm definitely looking to do things like that the more the more the time I have with my agency, the more I build it out. I, I want to do different community outreach things, giving back, charitable involvement or donations whatever it might be i want to do those things too and i want my office to be this not only a place where you can obtain insurance and financial services but a beacon of positivity and hope within our community yeah i think a, a good analogy and maybe i'm missing the mark here but it's been on my mind as you're as you're talking a small pebble thrown into a large body of water can have a large ripple effect and i think that's what you know you your grandfather your, your family has done, you know, for, for here in Lebanon City, and uh, you've impacted a lot of people. And like I said, going forward, I look to watch, you know, you grow and, and impact the community as, as well. We kind of hit on it a little bit. So maybe we'll skip this one, but I'll throw it out. How did you become an agent with State Farm? You mentioned, is there anything else you wanted to just note about that? Yeah, and you know, if I'm going to talk about State Farm, just as a disclosure, like anything that I say only reflects my point of view and personality not State Farm. I just have to throw that out there. Um, we're separate entities, even though we are one and the same um, in a lot of different ways. But 
Yeah, so I kind of touched on that a little bit already because I, I talked about how Hannah brought me into the fold as a team member in right. an office where I learned how an office works, how sales works, how service works, how going above and beyond for a customer works. Even, you know, sometimes when there are things that we don't normally do, something like somebody brings in their registration and they don't know how to fill it out. Like that's something oh, wow. that, yes, yeah, so there are people that sometimes don't know how to do that. And that's where we step in and say, okay, like this is how you fill it in. Um, and those are things that just come with the job. It's just part of the territory. But it, it was definitely uh, an interesting journey. So I, I was with her for five years and then um, I was contacted by um, the sales leader who's in charge of her territory of about 50 agents. And he said, hey, like you're doing pretty well. I think you should at least put your name in the system to you know, get your name out there in the event that there's an opening. Um, not that the, anything's coming, but just put it out there and do the legwork now so it's done later because you're doing pretty well. You've been with Hannah for a while. Your, you know, your sales are great. Your production's great. And you know, Hannah's reported to me that you know, you've really done a great job every year in growing and servicing people, and you just know the ecosystem really well. And I said, yeah, you, you know what, why not? I mean, what do I have to lose? I'm just going to put my name in, you know, my hat in the ring mm -hmm. in, in the event that something does open up and I wasn't expecting this year or next year, maybe, you know, a couple years down the road, something will happen. Um, so I went through that and you, you have to take like a, a personality test and a couple other exams to make sure that you're a good fit. And then once you get through that, you're basically just in the system. In the event something opens up, you can kind of pick different territories like all over the country oh, wow. or locally or you know you can pick whatever you want um so i just put it you know basically in this area because um I'm born and raised here i don't live that far from here um and i said you know this is back in february of last year um so i was like you yeah, know why not let's just see what happens right you know, put my name in nothing happened for you know a while a few months had gone by the summer went by fall came around and then I find out all of a sudden a, an agent locally here was taking a different job at the corporate level and he was leaving. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I placed a phone call that day and I said, Hey, like I saw this happened. We talk about it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my sales leader was, um, uh, was like, yeah, we, we need to have a conversation, uh, for sure. If you want to set up like an interview, because there's a whole process involved with that. Shout out to, to Hannah, right? Because without her, you wouldn't be where you're at, would you say? I would yeah. say, yeah. I mean, she's done so much for you. And shout out also to Bob Phillips. Uh, he's been a longtime supporter of our high school programs that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. He's been a longtime advertiser in them. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely shout out to, to both of them. Yeah. So I find out a couple weeks later, they said, uh, yeah, you're going to get an interview. You need to prep for it. Okay. Right, um, yep. so there's a ton of things you have to do. You have to put a business plan together, crunch a bunch of numbers that you have to put like an employee handbook together, a playbook for how you're, you're you want your team to handle different situations. So they know what to do in the event you're not there. Um, there, there's a ton of documents that you have to create. You have to have all your ducks in a row. It took a lot. Um, and, and it's interesting too, because the, the bigger thing that plays into this, I was going through some personal adversity at the time in my personal life. So I was not doing too hot and it was some things that self-inflicted a little bit. Some things weren't, but irregardless, I was not doing too hot. 
Um, and I was not in the greatest place, maybe mentally and, um, just struggling a little bit. And that was quite a journey to be able to prep myself and get all these things together when I was not doing the best that I knew I could be doing. And I noticed that at work, I wasn't always in a great mood, um, just because of external things going on in my life. Here I was, and I, I was able to get it all together. My my interview was November, uh, I think it was the 7th or the 5th or something like that. It was the first week in November. Um, they said, that's when your interview date is, so just make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Um, all your documents are ready to go. Make sure they're submitted so we can look at them and just have your plan. And um, here comes November, and it, it's just really ironic. I was sitting. I actually drove home to my parents' house that night. Um because I wanted to actually get to the office earlier to prep and things like that. So I stayed at their house because a little less of a commute. So here I was sitting at my parents' kitchen island looking at like a like a bathroom-sized mirror that I had propped up on the island uh-huh. so I could look at a face when I was like answering some fake interview questions that I made up how I would answer them. And I remember my dad coming in the back door after he was at a meeting and he's like, what are you doing? And I said, like, just prepping for the interview. I want to look at a face. And he said, well... He said, let me ask you the question. Sit down with me. All right. Like, let's, Role let's practice yeah, a little bit. Exactly. So we went through that, but it was really cool because that was the same place that I was sitting five years prior um, when I was prepping to take my insurance license before Hannah even opened her office. So there I was. Full circle. <laughs> I know, like, uh, yeah. you know, several years later, and I'm like, here I am again, but I'm at a completely different place now because of how much I applied myself and yeah. how much I wanted this. And it all comes back to when Hannah said, I want to hire you with the intent that you leave me one day. And here I was doing that. So I went through that with my dad. I remember being very nervous uh, that morning. I'm like sweating. I have a suit on, which I normally don't wear a suit. They were definitely more business casual, but I had the suit on. I remember that. And I went back into our private office room and hopped on a Zoom chat with four people from corporate. Um, and it was definitely like I was a little intimidated, but not too bad because I already knew two of the people. But the other two, I had no idea who they were. But it was definitely a little bit intimidating because I didn't know what to expect. Um, so I can't really touch on what we talked about specifically as far as like business plan and goals and all those types of things. That's just to be compliant. I can't talk about it. But you know, I remember uh, not really having any expectations while it was happening because I thought to myself, you know what, I won with this because I did all the legwork, I'm prepped, and even if I don't get this, yes, I'm yeah. ready for the next one. And this is a great learning experience, and I'm happy here working with Hannah, so I can't lose. Yeah, That's really how I walked into it, so I felt much more confident that no matter what happens. Um, and I also, too, kind of had a perspective like, I'm going to do as well as I can, but I figured somebody who's older than me um, or with much more experience at State Farm than me or something was just going to get it because I know most State Farm agents are older than me. Right, um, right. They just are. I figured, hey, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Let's yeah. just go for it. I think you appeal, too, to a younger demographic, people in their maybe 20s, 30s, because personally, I'd rather deal with somebody close to my age. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's something to say for experience and things like that. But, uh, you know, knowing you and, and like I said, being of a similar age, I feel like you wouldn't talk down to me. It'd be more like a conversation in understanding insurance because the, the next thing I want to kind of throw in there also 
is, you know, act as though I don't know anything about insurance. Why do we need it? It's a lot more important than people think. Um, I'm not just saying that because I work in the field. I'm saying that because I see the other side of it when people either don't have enough or um, something happens in their life that's unforeseen. My mission with all of this is to help my customers recover from the unexpected and realize their goals and dreams. That's my mission statement. And how do we get there? So <clears throat> you need to have insurance, obviously, because it's required by law or a bank usually. But if you don't have what's adequate for you, then that could create a problem. I mean, it's really all comes down to protecting your assets and the people you love more than anything. As a state farm agent, I want to know what your goals and dreams are. I want to know who your family members are. I want to know where you want to be five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. Because if I don't know those things, I can't properly protect you to make sure that you get there. Because if something unforeseen does happen, like a car accident, like a house fire, something like that, it could alter your life. And then those goals and dreams fall to the wayside. So I don't want that to happen. The thing about insurance that kind of I don't want to say irritates me, but I think is a shame is I'm not going to name anybody in, in any specific detail, but a lot of my competition, other insurance carriers, I think they've done uh, a great job of um, turning insurance into a commodity. What I mean by that is people are so focused on price and it, they look at it like a utility bill mm -hmm. and it's not. Your water company, your electric company, all those other services that you deal with for different things, those people aren't at those companies. They're not making you whole if something bad happens that you don't see coming. They're, and it, it's just a completely different ball game. And I just look at it, it it's not a commodity. A lot of my competition um, focuses on online sales and um, doing things from a call center with, you know, no offense to the people who work in those call centers. That's fine. I understand there's a job that needs to be filled to do that. But somebody in another state, I don't know how much they can relate to you um, because there's people in call centers. It's very robotic. They just want to get you set up, pay your bill. You're done. Yeah. We hope we don't hear from you again. It's just a number. They don't care. Yeah. And with State Farm, the business model is completely different. And it's a huge reason why State Farm's not a Fortune 500 company. It's a Fortune 40 company. And we believe in the agency model. We have local agents who are based in your community who care about who you are. I don't want to just set up your insurance over the phone and never talk to you again. When I get a call, I bring it up to the customer. I want you to come in. I want to get to know who you are, and I want to meet you face-to-face -face mm -hmm. so I can go over all these things with you one more time before you sign the dotted line so you understand what you have and what you don't have. And I want to know what your goals are, what your dreams are, all these other things that come along with it. Because if I don't do that, I'm not doing my job. And then I'm no different than my competition. So that's how we differentiate. Um, and State Farm's been the number one insurance company in the country. And this is our hundredth year. We've been number one in auto insurance for 80 years. Wow. We're not always, always the cheapest. Right. Um, it's not the reason why people come to us. They come to us because of our service, because we have a local presence and we offer peace of mind and somebody like me and my staff who is going to go that extra mile for you, that somebody maybe in a call center or a robot on your laptop responding <laughs> to you yeah. isn't going to do. Right. 
So we offer a unique value proposition, and that's why we are number one. There you go, and that's how you differentiate yourself from the competition. Um, I know I've been following you on your social medias and seeing – you know, friends that I know, uh, I think Ty the Barber, he was recently in and, uh, he was, yeah, you know, and that goes a long way because then it's like, okay, you know, uh, my wife and I just had a, a baby girl and, and she's like, Hey, maybe we should talk to, to Cooney, talk to Adam about, uh, you know, what we need to do for her and, and, and things like that. So it gets the ball rolling. It gets your, your mind thinking, cause you always want to be on people's minds. Yeah. And that's a huge reason why I share, especially friends on social media who give me the okay to do it. Um, because, People our age especially, or even people younger than us, I feel that they want to be seen doing things on social media or they want to be seen doing something like making an accomplishment or doing something. I want to acknowledge that. I think that is a huge market inefficiency. There aren't really any other insurance companies either here in the area, in the immediate area or around me that I really know of that are featuring customers online and writing up a little story about them or a little blurb. And making it really relatable because then when they, um, when I share it, they share it and then it gets exposure. Yep. I just had somebody this weekend say to me, Hey, I saw so-and-so was in, um, I think we should probably sit down with you too. And it was just kind of because they saw it. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I tucked my card in his pocket and said, in his shirt pocket and said, yeah, call me. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's something that I can really tap into because, uh, I'm 30 years old, so I'm a millennial. I want to tap into those things that maybe your mom and dad's insurance company aren't doing. And I feel like I can really connect with millennials and Gen Z people or anybody, especially because of my family history. So I feel like I really offer something unique because of my roots and my ties, but also because of my age that I can connect with somebody maybe the way somebody else at another insurance company can't. I want to put you on social media. I want to do that stuff. I want to. Sh- I want to get your picture with Jake, or yeah. if you come in and grab a koozie or whatever it is. I, I mean, I like doing stuff like that, and I know if I was doing something like that, I'd want to be recognized for it. I think it's really cool, and it's something I want to take advantage of because I, I just think it's something unique that not a lot of people in my industry are doing. I know it's been a little while, but would you say COVID had any effect on your life, on your business at all? You know, what you're doing here with State Farm? COVID didn't really have that much of an impact on my life, to be completely honest. Other, I mean, other than maybe inconveniences that were things like, oh, I can't go to a bar or I can't yeah. go to a restaurant, things that people in our age demographic were inconvenienced by um, more than anything. So... Luckily, nothing severe. It was more inconveniences than anything. We actually did really well. I was at at Hannah's office still at the time during COVID when it hit, but we actually did very well. It was surprising, but we kind of noticed that was like the first year people were at home so much. So they actually were like reading their insurance documents, maybe more. Okay. Um, Like if they were with another carrier, Mm -hmm. they started paying attention to things a little bit and they're sitting at home. So they're like, well, I might as well shop. Yeah. So we did really, really well during COVID, especially like 2020 and 2021. We did very well. We did better than the previous years before that. So, yeah, that's that's the interesting thing about insurance. It's um, it's kind of insulated from uh, I mean, we definitely see trends and other things that impact us from the economy or other things that are out of our hands. But we're actually very lucky to be 
in this industry to be kind of insulated because at the end of the day, I mean, we all need it. Yeah. It's a matter of how much and what kind do you need. Exactly. I feel very fortunate. And that's one of the intriguing things about the industry that brought me in um, was the insulation from, um, you know, factors that we can't control that other careers or job paths were very impacted by COVID, but people still needed us every day. I was very lucky. So having your own business and being the, the face of, you know, your own state farm agency, what is your daily routine like? Because I know when we before we started recording, you know, we have uh, some bullet bourbon we're sipping on here. And you said very good from Monday through Friday, whatever, three, four o'clock before you get off work, you don't really drink. It's something you do personally. So what's your daily routine like? So I'm really breaking habit here by drinking this, but <laughs> Appreciate it's, it. it's pretty good. So I'll, I'll make an exception for this. But uh, but yeah, that's something I usually do um, just kind of to stay in shape and, you know, keep the pounds off and look in a certain way yeah. for physical physique, I guess. But yeah, get up in the morning, 730, give or take and um, get ready. I'm in my office, usually 830, 845 in between there at some point. Um, and then it varies. Every day can be different and it depends what's coming in and going out. But on an average day, I get in, I'm checking to see if there's customers that have emailed me overnight. Um, if there's anything that needs to be addressed, my primary goal is to sit down with customers, um, to go over their insurance, um, and essentially do what's called an insurance and financial review to make sure that they're covered the way they want to be, that there's nothing out there that they're not aware of that they could have that they don't realize or anything like that. I don't like to leave stones unturned. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I always say to people over the phone, it's gotten robotic, but I always say to my customers, if I'm trying to get them to come in or sit down with them at at a later date, I always say, I don't want you to ever come in here and say, Adam, why did I not know about this? Or why did I not have this? Because now I have a problem. I go over every little detail of your policy down to every coverage on your home or auto, whatever it is. And I make you aware of what you have and what you don't have. I have two sheets that I fill out. I highlight what people have and then leave open what they don't. And then I just go over line by line. This is what you have. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but these are the ramifications. If something happens, if something does happen, how are you handling it? And I shut up and let them talk. I have to ask a lot of open-ended questions to figure out where people want to be. And I just want to get to know them on a personal level because that helps with keeping customers around longer. I want to develop relationships that last decades. If I'm not sitting and meeting with my customers and having these reviews and then also pending a note out for every two years to reach out to do it again, because the odds are your life's going to change over two years, I need to know about what's happened. Right. So I have a note for every customer pended out for two years. You can come in if you want to. If you don't, that's fine. I'll notate it. But if I'm not doing that, I'm not differentiating from my competition and I'm not doing my job. I take that to heart and that's a huge thing that I do. But uh, uh, more of what I do also is coaching my team. Uh, My team doesn't have an insurance background. They came in brand new. So there is a lot of coaching involved with that, but they've come a long way. Shout out to Joe and Vinny, by the way, um, in case they listen to this. You guys are awesome. I have two great team members on my team. Um, Joe is... Uh, one of them, and then Vinny, like I had said, is another one. Vinny's a Lebanon high grad. They are two 
awesome human beings. That's what I was looking for more than anything. Okay. Um, in my interview process with people who are good people. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, the insurance background, that's great if you have it, but that's not a deal breaker for me. I wanted to hire two great people. Um, and those two guys exemplify it in every way. And I said, you know what, if you don't have the background, we'll figure that out later. Yeah. So what do um, they do for you? Cause, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but, uh, when I hear Joey and Vinny, I think of, uh, some Italian mobsters. I gotta be honest. You know what? Yeah, what I was roles? actually going to say that because it came to my mind one day when I was sitting at my desk, it sounds like I have the mob backing right. me up. <laughs> it kind of does. <laughs> um, and if there's a problem, I'll have Joe and Vinny deal with That's you. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's actually kind of funny how that works. They're really unique guys, though. Joe's a little bit older than me. He's a family man. Um, great guy. He kind of fell out of the out of the sky and um, was looking for a job at the hospital. He knew he had a family member that worked there and asked my dad if there was something available. My dad said no, but I know somebody who is hiring. It's my son. <laughs> yeah. So I talked to him, and right after one conversation, I was like, "Okay, I think there's something here." And then I met him in person. I said. This is a great guy. Mm-hmm. So I brought him on. And then um, Finney, um, he's actually in the Navy Reserves. He was in the Navy for a few years. He was stationed in Japan. And now he's also a volunteer firefighter over at Neversink. Whoa, okay. Um, so he is very regimented and dedicated. And um, he's been a great addition with no background, but he's very coachable. Mm-hmm. And I could not ask for a better staff. And that is something that will make or break you as a State Farm agent is your staff. And I, I heard a mantra one time that I really like is, the name is on the door because of the people inside. Ooh, and, I like that. And I that is true so much so because of my staff. And I am so grateful for the two of those guys. Uh, they go above and beyond to make sure that our customers are taken care of. And I just, I can't speak enough about how much I appreciate them. Two great guys. Um, so if anybody ever deals with them or knows them, um, they're they're great guys. <laughs> Shout out to uh, to Joey and and Vinny and, and Vinny. Thank you for your service. And uh, you know, I think life is all about connections. Uh, who you know, and and early on, you really hit the nail on the head. My grandfather here at Color Tech is known for saying, "People buy from people." And like you mentioned, it's those relationships that you and your team make with you know local people here throughout throughout Lebanon County um, that'll have the biggest impact and will get you that, that repeat business for lack of a better term. Sure. Um, you know, so that's huge. Um, so I wanted to transition over to why do you personally do what you do day in and day out? Oh, that's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> that's deep. So I think about that day of my interview um, that I was talking about earlier because Like I had said before, I I was not doing too hot personally at that time. And I still remember to this day at the end of the interview, like we went through it. And then at the very end, like I said, I really can't share many of the details of it. But at the very end, they said, the floor is yours. And I basically looked at all of them and I said, you know, gentlemen, I have a very unique proposition that somebody else isn't going to have that you talk to. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's my family legacy and my roots here. And I told my grandpa's story a little bit. Um, and I said, I carry this burden on me for lack of a better term that I want to do right by all the things that he did. Um, and 
I just looked at them and I said, you can put all the pressure on me that you want to. I understand there's pressure that comes with this territory. It's a huge responsibility, but I've been putting pressure on myself my entire life because of who I am and the family I was born in. And I chose to, I didn't have to, but I was that kid. I couldn't be that kid getting in the police log or getting in trouble because of who I'm related to. I did not want to let these people down. We've done so much. So that was a huge thing for me. And I still remember to this day, at the very end of the interview, I gave my spiel and they said, we'll call you in a week. And I said, okay, perfect. I got out of there. I was relieved. I didn't care what the results were in a week. But I remember I was sitting at my desk. I was doing some work and it was about four o'clock that afternoon. And my, my cell phone starts ringing. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? And it's a number I don't know. Um, so I went outside, I sat on, I still remember sitting on, uh, the cold stoop outside of Hannah's office on the side of her building. It was, uh, her sales leader. And he said, how do you think you did today? And I said, like, I think I did pretty good. Um, for the most part, mm-hmm. um, I said, I think there's a couple things I could have done better in, but I said, overall, like, I think it did well. Um, and he said, yeah, like we were all really impressed with what you had to say. Um, and he said, you're going to be a state farm agent. Whoa. And I, I started shaking a little bit. I was going to say, your emotions got to be high. Like yeah. You got to be like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. I started shaking a little bit and I just couldn't believe it because I didn't expect it. Yeah. Um, and I just, I didn't know what to say. I was lost for words. And I can remember finishing up that call and I walked over to my car and I sat in my car for a second and I am a very even keel guy. I really don't get like super emotional very often, but mm-hmm. I remember sitting there in my car and it all just kind of came out because all the prep that I did, all the late nights, um, all the things that were going on in my life personally that were not ideal, I kind of pulled myself out of this pit and figured out how to be the best version of myself at my lowest point. And I never forget that. And I remember sitting there in my car thinking to myself, if I can do that, I can do anything. So that was really, really critical for me. And that's still something that I think about to this day because that was the most monumental day of my life to that point. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to have my name on the door of a business, I, because I made a Facebook post the night before I started, um, kind of like a, a, a tribute to my grandpa. I, I went to all the places that his, he put our family name somewhere. He's the Lebanon High Hall of Fame, the, the banners that the banner that he has up there for that, the Lebanon Valley College Hall of Fame. He's out at Fort Indian Town Gap. I took a picture of that. And then also um, the Country Club Pool is named after him. So I went and I took pictures of all of that and basically paid homage to him by mm-hmm. saying, like, you've put your our name on all these different places in the community, and now I get to do that. Yeah. I really feel the weight of that and... Um, again, I can kind of feel it in my chest. You can't a help bit but get when emotional I, because, when I talk yeah. about that because yeah. it, it means something to me. Exactly, exactly. Um, yep. And I remember that when I started my inter, uh, excuse me, my my internship program, where you basically go through four months of college, for lack of a better term, like State Farm College to be okay. an agent. You're a team member for so many years, but then when you're an agent, it's completely different. Your role is different, so they basically break you down to build you back up. And I remember on the first day, I'm in a Zoom with like 100 other interns and some coaches from corporate. 
And on the first day, they say, what's your why? Why are you doing this? And it can't be money because that's going to wear out. So what's your why? And I'm sitting there like, oh, man, I am armed with the perfect answer. Yeah, yeah. And it's really all these things that I've shared with you to this point. So when I got on you know, the stage, um, I shared that. And so some of the, cor- uh, the corporate coaches were like, wow, like that's really cool. Um, so that's definitely something that that stands out to me of what gets me up in the morning um, is definitely things like that. And just the unique value proposition that State Farm offers. I think I've aligned myself with a great brand and a great company. Um, and I protect it just as much as my own family legacy. So I have two things that I'm really trying to protect and honor. Yeah. That maybe somebody else is not with their job or business or whatever it is they do. So I think that's something that every day um, I get up and I think about that. Um, and it's it's really weird. I remember there was this day when our signage finally got put up on our new location on Springwood Drive. And my name is on the glass door. And I'm walking back towards the building, but the sunlight's so bright that it puts my name like on the wall. And I remember just like looking back past the wall and my name is showing up there um like in the shot the shadow of it from the glass door yeah and i was like holy smokes like it was just one of those moments where it hits me and i'm like this is real mm-hmm. um so i finally got my name on that door which is what i always wanted, always wanted so yeah that's how i feel that's what gets me up in the morning that's my why it's your business your family legacy and and combining it to make it your truth you know and you can I, just from the conversation here you're not just blowing smoke like i i can tell you generally care about the people here in in lebanon county and, and lebanon city and the work you're doing here so now in the form to be on the podcast you had you had put this and i just want to get your take on it uh the saying invest in yourself what does that mean to you yeah so that's that's a really relative statement and it's definitely different for everybody but what i would say it means is finding your passion and pursuing it and what that to me means is network as much as possible because from what i have found in my experience it's almost more valuable to know people than what you know i've gotten to where i am because of my network more so than my degree that i got from temple not trying to devalue it or anything like that but the connections my dad made ended up getting me a babysitter that ended up getting me a boss that ended up putting me here. Right. right. Um, so network and get to know as many people as you possibly can and make a great first impression, even if nothing comes out of it, because you never know what could come out of it down the road. And you only get one chance to make a great first impression. I would also say, in addition to that, operate with intention and be deliberate about it. If you're going to do something, do it. Don't do it halfway and think that you're going to get the same results as somebody who does it 100%. But ultimately, invest in others, and that will be the best investment in yourself that you can make. Um, and it will pay dividends in more way than one. And I think that's like the biggest thing. Investing in yourself is really investing in others. Because I've, I've seen it, and I lived it, and I've watched it happen with my parents and how many things they've done for people that people have paid them back in ways that they didn't even see coming like odd favors or whatever it is you never know if you're going to be in a pinch with something that you don't see coming you're you're in a tough spot 
and you have a network of people that you can pull on that can help lift you up. Um, and I'm seeing that now as an employer with two team members, I am always trying to lift them up, coach them, get them compensated as much as possible, make sure they're in a, an environment that they love to be at. Here's a great example. Like, here's, yeah. this is just something small, but like Vinny, he is a big snacker, like more than a big meal guy. So I always make sure I have a basket of like all different kinds of snacks for him okay. at work. So I'll order like a care package from Amazon. That's nice. Full. Yeah, yeah. All different stuff. Um, I'll go to the grocery store and like Joe, he's a big diet iced tea drinker. So I'll go <laughs> and if I'm yeah. picking up groceries for the for the business, I'll get him a gallon of iced tea every now and then. I do little things like that because I want them to feel at home. I want yep. them to feel welcome. And I want them to feel like they're really a part of something and they're invested in something. So investing in people is huge. And I'm always trying to make sure that they're happy and mentally healthy and that they like what they do and that I'm there for them whenever they need something. So I'm seeing it differently now than I ever have. Um, it's different when you employ people for sure. Right. Oh yeah. I think you're definitely doing it right. And it's those little things that add up and it, it makes, you know, employees feel like, like you really do care and they're really a part of the team or maybe even a part of the family. You know what I mean? It's going that extra mile. Um, so now how can our listeners connect with you and follow along on your journey? Yeah. So we have a company, uh, Facebook and Instagram that you can follow. Our Instagram handle is Kuhn Insurance, K-U-H-N. And then on Facebook, we're Kuhn SF, as in State Farm. Um, and then also our website, KuhnSF.com. So K-U-H-N-S, as in State, F, as in Farm, dot com. So those are the best ways to follow along with, with what we're doing. Uh, before we close out, is there anything else that you'd like the listeners to know? Yeah, I'd like to say if, if anybody out there wants some added value to their life and a different perspective on insurance and financial service, uh, to please reach out to me, um, email me at adam at coonsf.com. Um, shoot me a message from my website. Um, you can reach out to me on Facebook as well. I guarantee that you will walk in and get a different experience than you would as, at some other insurance company or office, and you will learn something. Whether you set up business with me or not, you will learn something that you did not know, and you may learn something that makes you uncomfortable that I will have a solution for which I think is absolutely critical. And in addition to that, like I've already said, I have an awesome team in place. It's really dedicated and hardworking. They will also help you if you want to come in and sit down with any of us. And if you do want to do some business with us, you will always have an agent and a team who per personally knows you and what you care about. Not only upholds the integrity of State Farm and its brand, but also uh, my family legacy and my family name which means everything to me. Adam, I'm excited to see what uh, you're going to do for the community here throughout Lebanon and watching you grow your, your State Farm Agency. And we'll close it out here. Uh, Adam Kuhn on the American Grown Podcast in the ColorTech Creative Solution Studios. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Austin. I really appreciate it. Awesome. This was fun. To see photos of today's guests and more content, just search American Grown Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast, please direct message or email Austin at americangrownpod at gmail.com.